Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Hope Reclaimed. I am your host, Ellie Hill Paringshaw, and I'm glad you're here today. It's in this podcast that we talk about active and practical ways that we can step into healing to allow God to heal and saturate every aspect of our life, because healing has already been extended to us by a good God, and sometimes it's our job to receive that for ourselves. Again, I'm glad you're here today. We are continuing our series today on identity, and I'm going to be interviewing my father, Mark Herringshaw. He's been on the podcast many times, and today he's sharing his story about his near-death experience this summer when he experienced a cardiac arrest. It was really, really scary for my family, and he's going to be sharing that story and what God has taught him since that time. Let's dive into this episode with Mark Herringshaw. Enjoy. How are you doing, Dad? I am doing very well. Awesome. This is so weird. Like, we're usually just right across, like, face-to-face, but now we're face-to-face, but virtually. Face-to-face and across the water. Yes. (laughs) Pretty far. It's a balmy, uh, you know, like, 85 degrees today, and um, I'm sure it's not that in Minnesota right now. It's a a balmy 33 degrees, so just above freezing. Um, so we're cheering that, <laughs> but actually I can look out at the pond in the back and, uh, yesterday there was ice on there and, and the ducks were actually able to walk on the ice. Wait, are you serious? So it's a little warmer today. Oh, I'm very serious. Oh my gosh. Wow. So, and I was is. surfing yesterday, so <laughs> a little different, but that's not, uh, that's not why we're here today to talk about the weather, but of course it's a great way to break the ice as it was, <laughs> if you will. Um, but we're in a series right now on identity. And mm. man, like it's been a while since you've been on the podcast, Dad. And I'm really excited because you went through and kind of the family went through something really challenging in the last couple months. Yeah. And yeah. we're going to yeah, talk it's... about that today because a lot has changed <laughs> since you've been on the podcast. Uh, yeah, a lot has changed. There is no question about that. Yeah, really, really crazy. So why don't um, we're we're gonna kind of hear from you about your okay. kind of your recent yep. your recent um, development and um, revelation about your identity, and yeah. um, based on based on this experience that you went through, really in July. Um, yeah. But yeah, let's dive into it. <clears throat> yeah, let's do. Uh, yeah, and, and identity really is the corner piece of everything. Right. And I think I can say that now. I, I always knew it cognitively. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I always had, you know, there was an, an old singer uh, many years ago when I was uh, much younger. Keith Green was his name. He was influential mm-hmm. on a lot of us and our worldview. And um, he, had, uh, he had a warning. He said, don't get stuck in theology-ology that is the knowledge mm. of the knowledge of God. Um, and, and I can, I can say, and, and the story that I'll share here in a little bit, I think really highlighted uh, the way that my identity was really in, in many ways tied up with what I could say I knew about God. Yeah. And wow. I think what I've gone through has awoken me to a new level of intimacy and not theology, but actually the intimate, pressing in for the intimate experience of knowing God. Wow. So, um, um, yeah, well, it, it, it began, um, on the morning of July 16th and, um, that was this last summer and we're recording this, um, the second day of November. So it's, there were a little removed from it, but it's still very fresh for me. And I think probably for everybody that was close to me, uh, 
typical morning for me, I went out for a run, um, got my, uh, got my running shoes on, went out into the woods that are, are across from our house. And, mm-hmm. um, and I came home and, um, didn't feel well. And I don't remember all of this, which I'll explain in a little bit, but this is reported back to me by, uh, mostly by your mom, um, Ellie, my wife, Jill, who, uh, recounted a lot of this. So I came home, I wasn't feeling well, uh, went in and got a shower and came out. And, um, just as I said to her, you know, I'm not feeling well, something's not right. Uh, I collapsed on the front entry of our house and, uh, my heart stopped. I stopped breathing, and it became really evident to Jill there that I was in a major crisis. And she immediately just began to give me CPR and called 911, and they walked her through uh, just keeping me going until about uh, seven to 10 minutes later, the paramedics got there and they began to work on me, trying to get my heart going again. It took them um, 25 minutes. So I didn't have a heartbeat for 25 minutes. I wasn't breathing other than their artificial CPR. Mm-hmm. And um, of course it was, it was really you know, traumatic for Jill and um, Michael, uh, our youngest son, your brother, Ellie was there um, as well. And um, eventually they got uh, what's called a spastic heart heartbeat going uh, as they started to take me toward the hospital. And, um, at that point, um, there wasn't a great chance that I was going to survive this. I was having a major cardiac arrest and what turned out to be a heart attack, a blockage in um, one of my um, arteries that feeds my heart with oxygen and blood to keep it going. Um, anyway, they, by, they, by the, they use the defibrillator nine times. Yeah, yeah they to did. To shock and, you and, nine times. Like that's, yeah. that doesn't happen. Right. right. Yeah, but they but they kept going. They didn't. Yeah, give up, they didn't which stop. Is, which is really really amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And and what I have to say at that point is that you know, and again, this, these are all from reports of everybody telling me what was going on. But but Jill and Michael obviously just began to pray as all mm-hmm. of this was happening, and they called around to our friends and family really quickly, and and the posture that everyone took at that point was just a prayer of faith, a prayer of, of no, we're not going to accept death. We're going to accept life. We're right, going to, we're going right. to believe and stand for life. And I think that that really came as a gift to Jill and Michael in particular, who are right here. And then everyone else as they were, as they were starting to hear about this, there was just really a gift of faith about this hmm. whole experience. Um, Anyway, the, the short of it was, um, you know, I got to the hospital and uh, we went to the University of Minnesota um, uh, hospital, the, the research hospital there, which is it's incredible that they chose to do that because it's one of only two hospitals in the world that do this particular procedure, which is uh, very quickly they, they ran a stent up into that artery and opened it up. And it was, uh, again, just a very, uh, very quick and um, an intervention that happened really, really, really fast. Uh, from that point, then they, um, they got the, they actually got the artery open. And the big concern at that point was all that time when I didn't have a heartbeat, and I didn't have oxygen, that there would be damage to my yeah. heart, 
to my other organs like my kidney and liver, kidneys and, and liver and, and brain uh, damage. My brain and brain damage. Yeah, that yeah. was the concern. So they they originally gave me about a five percent chance that I would survive this. That's about what what they were saying. Someone that goes through this level of a cardiac arrest outside the hospital has about a 5% chance to survive, but it really is 0% chance that I wouldn't have uh, significant damage to my organs and cognitive loss. So that was the real concern, you know, for everyone. And you guys, you know, of course, were um, you know, circled around and family and, and a lot of my friends came and just, just began to pray. They put me at that point in a uh, they lowered my core body temperature to 91 degrees to try to um, stem the swelling and damage that would, you know, could come from all this. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were expecting that I'd be in that induced coma for about a week. But uh, the next evening after the event, I, I, I survived that far. And the next evening I started to wake up. Well, they, they started and, warming uh, your body and then... Yeah. Immediately, yep. you woke up, which was which they were expecting yeah. that to take a long time, right? And so that was right. a that was so exciting for all of us that you were awake. Yeah. <laughs> He's awake, yeah. Especially and, and like then, just a couple um, hours after, really after the event, it was it was amazing, yeah. And yeah, and then and then just little bits by bits, I you know, I began coming back. I mm -hmm. I actually didn't have a memory as I looked I looked back on that. Uh, my memory was four days before the heart attack wow. and then really four days after it was really like not till Saturday that I really could look and start remembering things. But yeah. that was part of that, in, that induced coma right. it blocked out a, a lot of, a lot of the experience and mm -hmm. any memory that I had. So people have asked, you know, did you have any like near death experiences or, you know, or did I you go see to a light? Or, <laughs> yeah. Um, Maybe I did. I just, uh, I don't have any conscious memory of that because right. of the fact that medical intervention that they, hmm. that they had, but their, their real concern, then they, they, they were watching all these markers, uh, like my, my kidneys, uh, there's a, an enzyme or chemical that they're watching called creatinine, which is gauging the amount of damage that my kidneys had suffered. And originally it was very high. And it spiked up to the point where they were just about ready to put me on dialysis. And then that became a real target of prayer. And you know, everybody began praying specifically about that. Mm -hmm. And and then each um, each time they checked it, it was dropping and dropping and dropping. And um, and to, to this day, it's it's moved down now into the total normal range. Um, and they they actually they actually have a projection of where it'll kind of set, which will be completely within normal range so that was pretty Praise that was God. pretty amazing yeah yeah and and then again each of the my systems just begin to come back mm -hmm. um you know kidney my kidney function when they looked at my my heart actually it was actually uh strong and there didn't seem to be any damage to the muscle itself um and then the next concern was just my cognitive functioning and you know how i would bounce back yeah. And that was, that was really the scariest thing for us of just, I mean, cause um, you know, the, obviously the kidneys are something that are very, very important to your body, but, but if you're not there mentally, um, if you're not your, your sharp um, self and that, that was, that was really the point for us that we were just really, really praying into obviously of just being sure that you're, that you're there mentally and to see you gradually come back was 
amazing. And it was, I mean, it was really, it was a, it was a huge experience for us because, you know, you were obviously living it, not really knowing (laughs) what's happening, but we're all watching this happen. So it was, it was, it was terrifying. It was so scary, but, um, but such a miracle to witness. So, and I, and I, and I think what the first memories that I had were of, of just, um, I felt uh, the memories that I had were, were really wrapped in a lot of emotion hmm. uh, and a lot of, just a lot of tenderness that I felt for, for everybody around me. And, and a real sense of, I, uh, I didn't consciously think about it at the moment, but I found myself with just um, one thought after another of the goodness of God. And it, it was, the, <laughs> it was more like what was coming to me then uh, it wasn't I was I was laboring to think about that I was yeah. just uh, ex- experiencing the the emotional impact of the goodness of God and that really is what started what's turned out to be a, a real shift in a sense of my identity which I'll get into in a moment that's really the better part of the story of all this um, anyway the, the 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 short of my physical journey the, the short cut to the end of really this physical journey is I was in the hospital about 10 days and um, as, as they started watching each of my functions come back really to normal they were um, they were really amazed and yeah. you know I know they were telling you guys that mm-hmm. and they were telling me that the doctors and the nurses um, they, they put me through a, a really rigorous uh, cognitive examination while I was still in the hospital making sure that my memory was there, that I could control walking and sitting and, you know, I, um, holding things. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yes. Hold, yeah. Holding things, but, but also, uh, that I could, I could remember, uh, conversations and Mm -hmm. circle back and do proper reasoning. So they're looking at all kinds of things. Anyway, as that, as all that came clear, then they, um, they let me go home and, uh, (laughs) set me on a couple of rehab programs. I had mm-hmm. some, um, they wanted to make sure that my, um, my cognitive and my, um, what, what my, the kind of occupational therapy and cognitive therapy uh, was going well. So they put me in for about a week to a, um, a program with that, but that turned out really well. Yeah. And then they put me in a cardiac rehab program, which um, they, uh, it's in a hospital. There's a gym. They wired me up. They had me go on the treadmill and mm-hmm. uh, ellipticals and lift weights, and they're watching my heart perform. So that was um, actually a couple of months after the event. I was I was in that, and all that turned out well to the point where they just wow. um, again allowed me to be done with that and said, just go get a gym membership and keep working out. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and the, the things that are different there are just, you know, I'm, I'm eating differently. Yeah. Um, very differently. You know, wa- watching my red meat, um, you know, right. But what, what, what's, what's so amazing is like, you were, things like that. You were, you were so healthy. Um, and you're only 59. Sorry, I called you out mm-hmm. on your age. <laughs> you're 59. And, um, but, but really, really healthy. You've run marathons. You've, you've done all these things. And, and I would say that, you know, the, the food that you eat wasn't, it's not fast food every day, nothing like that. Right. And, no. um, but, but there's no, this family, I, I, there's, sorry, go ahead. Oh, good. 
well, there's just this family history, this deep family history yeah. of, of um, cardiac issues. And one of the things that I was really praying about and really like contending for was that it stops right here. Like this is mm-hmm. when, this is when it really, really stops because yeah, the hearing jaws have this <laughs> long pattern. Well, of, and, and, that, and there's really, an, there's an identity question there. Yes, there? exactly. Like, like, where really is our identity? I didn't have any symptoms uh, prior to this. Yeah. So I, you know, again, I, I'd eaten well and I was mm-hmm. exercising and, and you uh, still had, had... Been, you know, I'd been checked. I checked my cholesterol and did all the things I'm supposed to do. Uh, but completely out of the blue, no symptoms. I had this uh, event and it was, you know, it's looking back, it's, is typical to some similar things that happened with my dad and some yeah. of his brothers and my grandfather. So that particular artery and my particular blood chemistry was how I, you know, how I mix up the fat in my blood and cholesterol, et cetera. Well, 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 correct me if I'm toward that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you had two 100% blocked arteries, four stents put in. Yep. Yeah, I had one, one that two, was a, one that was a one that was a hundred percent blocked, okay. and two that were significantly blocked. So they put two in the in the That's artery right. that was all the way blocked and a hundred percent blocked, and then opened the others up as well. And but the rest of my um, the rest of my heart and the rest it's of the really artery healthy. systems around my heart is actually looking pretty good. So and and um, your your heart was yeah. probably working so hard <laughs> at that point when it when there was. Um, right. when there was so much there. So, so physically, how are you feeling now? I actually feel great. I went and did an, an hour workout this morning before, um, before that. we're doing this. And I actually worked really hard and back to doing interval training. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, um, I've lost some weight and, um, sleeping well. Good. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm on different medications now and that, that took me a little bit to adjust to some of the effects of that, but yeah. Do, but do you want to, uh, do you want to run a marathon with me someday? Let's go. Okay. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be cool? That would be crazy. That I told yeah, myself I, I, I wouldn't run another one after my last and I was like, I'm done. Maybe, I don't want to uh, do this anymore, but I don't know. It'd be fun to do it with you. Maybe Boston Scientific uh, will Ooh. sponsor me because I've got four hey. of their stents in my, in my heart. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So if anybody's right. listening out there. Yeah, um, we're, we're yeah, up for sponsorships, the, y'all. We are. <laughs> the, um, the deeper outcome of all this uh, yeah. began to unfold for me as I, as I came home. And I was, just, I was just asking the Lord, why am I back here? Right. And the, I, I think it began to settle in on me what actually happened as people begin to reflect back what they were going through, you know, friends of ours, people in our church, what they were going through as they were praying for me and, and standing in faith for me, um, it, it began to settle in on me, like something significant. This is, this is, this is not just, you know, a normal thing. Like, Oh yeah, God touched me. I prayed. He answered, but that there was something yeah. you know, obviously deeply physically profound about this. I, um, I came through this in a way that no one on a medical from a medical standpoint, would it, would it ever expect it? The uh, my nephrologist, my kidney doctor, the day that um, they let me out of the hospital, he sat down with me there. On he sat on the edge of my bed and he said, "Look," he goes, "There's no other word but miracle for what you've gone through." He said, "There's no other explanation." And then he looked at me and he said, "So what are you going to do with your new life?" Yeah. And um, 
And so that actually became, it's interesting, you know, obviously the, the doctors made incredible choices medically to help me. The first responders, uh, you know, the police and the mm-hmm. fire department that came, they made incredibly great choices. Not to mention behind, mom for giving you CPR. Absolutely. Well, yeah. And then just, just dealing with the trauma that yeah. she was getting, yeah. getting past the trauma and just doing what she needed to do. And, um, but I think everybody and even people that don't didn't know how to understand it would say that that God had his hand in this. Amen. And, uh, why, you know, wh- why me and not someone else? I, I don't know, but I know that prayer played a, a, a role in that. And yeah. Therefore it's, 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 it leads me literally every day to say, okay, Lord, why am I here? And, and what is my life about? And again, I, I've always, thought about those things a lot and I've, I've written about them and talked to the to people about them and taught and in various contexts but um never it never has it been quite like this yeah um and uh and it gets to this question of who am i and why am i you know who am i and why am i here so um about I suppose it was two, three weeks after I got home, a thought just struck me. I, I, I thought, you know, I'm, what did I write in my journal the morning that this happened? Because I got up in the morning and about six o'clock, you know, came out and made my coffee and read my Bible and and then wrote uh, as you know, as I'm as I do regularly. And I had now actually looked at that date, and so um, I went back. You, and you also don't heard, remember it. You don't remember right, I don't remember what, it. I yeah. don't remember I don't yeah I don't remember it at all I don't remember I, I had a business trip that weekend before and I don't remember a bit of it hmm. but um yeah I mean here's the entry you know cool. right here, July 16th and um, earlier in the year this is a an, an important uh, element in this but earlier in the year um, uh, Jill and I we went away and, and we do this every year um, either right at the end of the year or right at the beginning of the year, we will go away and just pray and ask God for themes and a focus that he wants us to have. And then we plan out our year as much as we can. It's just been a practice that we've done for more than 20 years, really beautiful time. And we had done that uh, this last year in uh, for 2019. And the the word the Lord gave us actually was something that both of us felt was uh, teach me to number my days hmm. and uh and so when i when i began to ponder that i was like oh that you know that's a little eerie <laughs> yeah a little bit <laughs> but it's about but it's a it's about it's about um reflecting and yeah. and focusing on our mortality right hmm. and so uh, about march in my journal uh what i noticed in, in as i was moving on through my journal about march i i started a, a little practice of actually putting the number of my days that I've been alive. Oh, so you did the math. Way I go, going back, yeah, I did the math, went back cool. to my birth and then counted it up. So, so I, I at, the, um, at the top of my journal for July 16th, I wrote in 21,380. That's the number of days. That was that numbered day for okay, me. Okay, wow. Uh, being at, at that point, 59 and a half years old. And so I wrote that in there, and then below it, um, I, I wrote based on the scripture that I had read that morning. 
um, and it was Isaiah 37 and 38. And the, um, the story there is Hezekiah. He's Israel's king, and there's a, a foreign power that surrounded Jerusalem. And uh, the, the leader of this invading army sends Hezekiah a letter that says, look, your God is, no, is not going to help you. There's hmm. no hope for you. Uh, just give up. He mocks him and uh, basically in this letter declares, you must surrender or we're going to totally destroy you. And so Hezekiah, in his, in his heartbreak, he takes that letter into the temple and he lays it out before the Lord. And he says, Lord, we can't do anything about this. We're helpless. Hmm. But our eyes are on you. We're, we're trusting you. Love this that. man, you know, this, this invading army is mocking you, but we're trusting you. And uh, just as he does that, Isaiah, the prophet, comes in and says, Isaiah, because you prayed and because you're trusting God, you're going to be delivered and Israel's going to be delivered. And wow. the next day, that's exactly what happens. The army's defeated without anybody lifting an, um, arms against them. Cool. Well, in the next chapter, the story goes on for Hezekiah. In the next chapter, he contracts a terminal illness. And Isaiah comes in and says, uh, Hezekiah, you're sick, and uh, the Lord, the Lord wants you to get your house in order because your your days are numbered. You're 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 yeah. done. You're gonna, you're going to die. And Hezekiah rolls over. He's in bed. He rolls over against the wall and he just cries out to the Lord, and he says, Lord, give me more time. Hmm. And Isaiah turns around and comes back into the room, and says. Hezekiah, because you prayed, the Lord is going to heal you and give you more time. And so I wrote here that morning, because you prayed, Isaiah 37 and 38, rescue and deliverance and healing. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> and so, and so, um, that, I mean, that, that was, uh, you know, about six o'clock and I then went in and, you know, got dressed, went out for my run, came back and, then my life changed. So it's rescue, deliverance, and healing. Yeah, well, was, yeah, rescue and deliverance is one is one uh, okay. concept. That's that's from thirty seven, and then healing is in thirty eight. But wow. prayer and faith, prayer and faith was the the linchpin. Yeah. In moving moving those circumstances, which I I completely believe was the case here. So I mean, there's probably some people who are listening to this who are a part of that the prayer. Um, the prayers of faith that went in, you know, up to the Lord on my behalf. And I just know that was the case, but the Lord was preparing me as well here, right? That, that no matter what you go through in that time, the Lord is with us and he responds to prayer. I don't get it. Absolutely. And I, you know, I, 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 I don't, <laughs> but that's a, it's something I've, you know, I've, I've lived my life on that yeah. In, yeah. in theory, in theory. Right. <laughs> right. Right. So, um, wow. So, so yeah, so, so since then, you know, I've been stepping into this, uh, stepping into this sense of, of just, I, I am here and I wake up each morning and uh, it's like, well, I'm still here. Right. <laughs> and, and, um, and stepping into from, like from that, stepping into a, a conscious awareness that um, I exist only because of God's grace and because of his right. presence in my life. And then I exist in order to foster that and in order to keep, to keep uh, nurturing it. And 
so I, you know, I, I kept, I kept asking, so, so Lord, why, why am I back? Like, what is this for? And, um, in August, um, I was at a conference actually here in the Twin Cities and your brother, Michael, your younger brother, Michael was speaking at a breakout session in this conference. And I went to it and he was speaking about, uh, intimacy with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And at the end of his, of his little session, he left about 10 minutes at the end where we could just be quiet and hear God. And so during that, again, I just went back to the, to the Lord with the question, okay, I, I so appreciate that I'm alive. It's so good. But, but why am I here? Like, like yeah. what is What's this the purpose for? Mm-hmm. And um, what he, what he brought to me, and again, this is in my journal. Uh, what, what he brought to me was um, several years ago, it's probably uh, like 20 years ago, probably. Um, I wrote, um, I wrote um, a, a vision statement for my life. And part of it was, um, I said um, that w- one day, my life on earth is, is going to end and I'm going to find myself inside the gates of heaven. And I don't enter there by my effort. Yeah. But what I find when I get there will be what I've invested here in order to um, secure that treasure. You know, we don't, we don't store up treasures mm-hmm. on earth because they don't last, but we store up treasures in heaven. And so, and I use that then as a, as a springboard to say, what do I want to find the day that I die? Like the day that I step into heaven, what do I, what do I want to be there ahead of me? Right. Yeah. That's so Um, good. And, and the first was, you know, I want to see you Jesus and find your face intimately familiar. I want to shout. I do know you. And to hear in return, and I know you. Oh my, my instant reaction, I want to be reverent exaltation, not tainted with timidity or regret. I want to know you then, and so I must know you now. So that was the first. And the other was, I, I wanted to find heaven surprisingly familiar and not otherwise surprising. Right. Uh, wow, that the worship so cool. and the, the worship and the celebration and the sights and the aromas, I, like I wanted have experienced that here so that when I arrive there it's like oh yeah of course I've known this before and then I had other um, uh, I, I want to hear well done good and faithful servant I want to hear the Lord say that mm-hmm. when I get there and I want to find um, my relationship with with my wife Jill um, to have been uh, an investment into who who her what her destiny is and for my children and my grandchildren in the same way. So anyway, I wrote this out and it is actually something I I put each year into my journal and I I read it regularly to remind myself. So anyway, in this time when I was listening to the Lord at that conference, uh, I I thought came back to this and um, what, what I just felt the Lord say was you, you weren't ready for that. (laughs) That wow. that had you gone to heaven, um, actually you you weren't as ready for what you've desired as um, yeah as I as I need you to be as I want you to be and so right. I'm going to allow I'm going to allow you to be here to actually foster that intimacy the intimacy of heaven I get to be in literally in the intimacy of heaven but living on earth 
Hmm. And, and so, um, the the uh, the sense then of my identity and the anchor point for why I exist. It really is about identity is about why are we here, and whether yeah, exactly. you, die, you die and come back to life, or whether you you haven't had that experience. I pray you haven't. But um, it it the the question of our identity gets to the why are we here question, and I yeah. think all of us have to ask that question. And, yeah, I I totally and, and and I and I was I was asking it. I mean, certainly asked. I asked it cognitively, like I could think about that, and I had a knowledge of the knowledge of God in that sense. But what the Lord has allowed me was is to go through this experience hmm. in order uh, to take that fresh intimacy with Him that I had when I first woke up from my coma. And for that to be the anchor point of why I'm here. Right. I have no other identity. Everything else has died. I have no <laughs> other identity than to learn to talk to him and to listen yeah. to him and to make but decisions with him. I just, I think of, I think of the high priestly prayer in John 17, when Jesus says, this is eternal life that they may know you. The, right. the one true God and Jesus Christ, the one you sent. So, so eternal yeah. life, heaven, as we see it, it's not just this place in the clouds. It's actually about knowing God. And what, what you had mentioned was that, um, was that like the, the, one of the first things that you were able to kind of process or what, one of the things that you, as you were coming out of this coma and coming back into yourself is you were just so amazed by the goodness of God. And I right. love that you, t- that you touched on that because that is where we truly, that, that is the springboard to find our identity. We find our identity from knowing who God is and having just a, like an awe about his goodness, his love, his like majesty. And then from there, that's where we really are able to, um, to find our own identity. And so, so that, that, that's what it, that's what it sounds like. But a lot of people maybe like, like you said, maybe haven't had this near death experience. I personally had a, a, a death of myself, a death of the identity that I thought I had in, um, in going through my divorce. And I know a lot of people have gone through something like that. And, and really what I wanted to, why I wanted to have you on and share this isn't just because you're my dad and this was something I also went through in, in watching this happen, but, but just the, the chance at something else, because you had to have hope that you would have physical healing (laughs) <laughs> that you, you know, in a sense, we, we all had to have hope and faith that physical healing would, would take place in your body. But then we also had, you also had to have hope that there could be something else on this side too, that, that, um, you would be able to touch yeah. on and, um, right. and live this new life, which is what the doctor said, like, okay, what are you going to do with this new life now? What, what are you going to, you have a second <clears throat> chance in a sense. And, exactly. um, and we're given that opportunity and some people don't take it. Some people will just choose to stay after yeah. a divorce or after some, a, a traumatic event. They stay in this spot of, of not healing and, um, and not living into this new identity. And so what I see you doing, which is really, really inspiring, I think, is you're taking what had happened to you 
and you're using that to build on the identity that God's already given you, but then reclaim it and, yes. and, um, and yes. have this new, um, this new hope in something else it, in this it, new life. It, it really does seem God's way that um, we get a chance to die before we die. All of us do. And, and <laughs> yeah, there'll, be totally. something, there'll be something that comes into our life mercifully. It's God's severe mercy, as C.S. Mm. Lewis calls it, that, um, that a, a stripping away of any other element uh, that we might use as a crutch to define why we're here or how we fill up the vacancy that's right. inherently in all of us, yeah, right? Yeah, and, and w- when we when we when we die literally to every other source of life, source of yeah. happiness, source of purpose. Not that there aren't other side purposes and side joys that we can enjoy, but the source of it all. Um, is God or it's nothing. Right. And um, or it's fruitless. It's Yeah, and then and then we literally when we when we have when we have our identity rooted in that, we are unassimilable. We we're we're un we're invincible because nothing can really be taken from us. Because <laughs> God can't be taken from us. I I here's a I, here's a, I, I read I read um actually your mom and I were driving this morning and she read a quote from the great theologian Kanye West. Um, are you listening to that album by the way no i'm not have you but but, no (laughs) i'll have to i'll have to do it after this because here's the quote i'm going to make sure i get this right he said when we when we lose the fear and love of god we come under the enslavement of the fear and love of everything else it's totally that's just so beautiful and it's so true but when we come under the love and the fear of God, fear not in the sense of I am afraid of God, but I am in awe of his wonder. Yeah, it's, then it's seeing when, his when goodness, that, his majesty, how yeah. big he is. Yep. Yeah. When, when that is our anchor point and, and the, um, the definition of our identity, uh, and it, it just gets back to, uh, like Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Uh, suddenly we find everything that we long for. We find ourselves when we die and allow his life to come back in us. And I, I was just given a very tangible expression of that. But many people listening on the call have gone through their own death experiences in, in other ways. Yeah. Um, and, um, and so the, the, the key out of all that is um, to in the midst of it, um, really to, uh, in, in, a, in a way, embrace it hmm. and then allow the life that is Jesus, the, the resurrection life that is Jesus, to pull us through that experience to our own Sunday morning of coming back to life. Wow. And um, so that's, a, I, in a way, like it's, I, I feel like God's given me a parable to live through. Uh, but you, you had in a way, a parable for that too, yeah. right? I mean, you yeah. had the death of a, you had the death of a marriage and other people have had the loss of, of, of other precious things to mm-hmm. them. They've lost a loved one or a child. They've lost 
a hope of a career. Yeah. Um, we, we, um, and, and many of those things are good things. Like it, it isn't that God is wanting uh, pain for us. He doesn't no. want badness for us, but um, that, but somehow um, he uses mercifully the death of those good things. If we'll allow him to, to anchor our identity in something that can't be taken from us. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a hard process. And it's, it can be, it can feel, it can feel unfair, but God brings, he brings the goodness into it. And I I like to say that it's not, Yeah. God doesn't cause, or he, you know, um, like people, people will say, um, everything happens for a reason. And I do not believe that. I think that God uses everything to create the reason for us. And to create yeah. good out of the reason, and yeah. or out of out of the the hardship, and um, and I just see that I just see that that's what that's what you've done as a result of what's happened, and um, so I just think that that's so beautiful, Dad. Um, but I but I do want to ask, kind of before we close, um, who is who is Mark Herringshaw? Um, I I am a son of my father and I'm a brother of my savior and a friend of God uh, that then moves down to the ways and places that I express that in the circles of relationship that God gives me here. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm a husband and a father and a grandfather and a friend, a work colleague, a citizen of my country, but all of that comes through and, and even in the, the, the hobbies that I do and the things I enjoy all filters through the fundamental nature of my identity, which isn't, it's not a parable and a metaphor, right? I mean, I am a son of the king of the universe. Yeah. Um, and um, it, it, it's interesting to come coming out of this. I, I think the other thing that rose with me was a fearlessness. Um, I'm really not afraid to die now. Like, uh, mm. I, I'm not looking forward to, like, I don't want to die now. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that. Um, but um, there's something about the, uh, the anchoring of my life that has stripped away and, and a level of anxiety, I think, that, that Jesus just doesn't want for us. Right. But um, then also just living for... Um, because you've had this near-death experience where you so could have died that day in, in July and then the preceding days as well. But, um, but being able to, to live that, that life is short. So you're living with this idea, like my days are, my days are being numbered. (laughs) You know, like you're counting them. I'm still counting them. Like today was, uh, Today was twenty one thousand four hundred and eighty five. So I'm still counting, right? Yeah. Uh, and I, I have after that, my death defying life number is one oh seven. So that's one hundred seven oh, days since this that's happened. That's so cool. That's my really death, fun. My, my, it's my death defying number. Oh, that's <laughs> great! What a cool way to what a cool way to count. Like it's been one hundred seven days now that you have been right. given this second chance. So what are right. you going to do with those days too? Wow. That's really, really cool, dad. I love that. Well, anything else that you wanted to touch on before we close today? 
You know, I, I, I just want to, to bless anyone who happens to be listening to this conversation with um, just bless you with the courage to step into um, the, the day or days hmm. that seem to be stripping away your life. If, if there's an event or a circumstance, in many cases, there's things you can't control, you didn't ask for. But um, to step into that as a, a place and a moment to deeply meet God. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying at that point, you're, it'll, it doesn't make you a Christian, or, but there's levels of, of our intimacy and awareness of our identity that come only in the midst of those um, those those levels of threat to anything mm-hmm. in our identity, and yeah. um, and 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 once we once we step into that and you know and can feel his breath upon us and the and the tenderness of his voice, then literally nothing and no one can touch us. Hmm. Amen. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, it's sort of in those in. In the, in the middle of those crisis moments that, um, that we, it can feel like everything is ending. It can feel like a death, but then it's yeah. in that, that God can bring new life and he, he's extending the Absolutely option, he's does. extending the hope for that new life. And, and that can be on, on us to be able to receive it because you could have, you could live dead now after this experience. But, but you're taking on this option, this opportunity to, to live new and to, to take on your identity. And I think that that is, a, that is an option for all of us, um, at really at any point, but especially after a, um, a crisis like, like you went through and like I went through. So there is hope, people. There is hope. There is, there hope. is, there there is, is hope. always hope and there's always healing available for us. So dad, I hope we can claim it and reclaim it, right? Amen. All the time, like at at every moment of every day. But dad, I'm so grateful that you're able to share your story um, on this podcast. You are, you are a a returning figure on this podcast. There's lots of, there's lots of um, great episodes with you. And, um, and this is a special one because this is really about what the Lord has done in you. And, um, and especially in the last couple of months. So I'm so grateful for your, um, just your willingness to share. Thank you. Love you. Yeah, I love you too, dad. And, um, listeners, thank you so much for listening. We will see you next week.